Kevin, a very significant day for the families of the victims of Whitey Bulger. Indeed, someone like you who's spent much of your career writing about this guy. Describe his demeanour as the sentence, the two life sentences plus five years were handed down in court. Well, I think uh, a Dublin taxi driver would say he couldn't be arsed. Uh, He just showed no emotion. He was very consciously stoic. Um, And yet, to me, it didn't matter what the way Whitey reacted because this was sort of a catharsis for the entire city and the entire region. This guy sort of held sway as the most infamous, dangerous, lethal criminal in our existence. Uh, He's a guy that co-opted the FBI. He's a guy that murdered many people. In the end, he was convicted of 11 murders, but he killed many more than that. Uh, and I thought Judge Casper, Denise Casper, as I said, I, uh, there was a delicious irony yesterday, Jonathan, because Whitey, besides being a serial killer, is an out-and-out racist. And he's also a misogynist. And I can say this with some authority because I've seen we have his letters in which he pontificates about how the races should not mix and that women should stay in the kitchen and all that kind of crap. And he had to sit up there, but sit there and listen to this very educated, very articulate, very thoughtful African-American woman named Denise Casper read him out and tell the world what he is. He wasn't, you know, she said, you're a very intelligent person, but it does not take intelligence to stick a gun in someone's mouth and demand money. Uh, I thought she just captured the tone. In fact, I talked to a number of the victims' families after, and they all said the same thing. They felt that Judge Casper was speaking for them, because she kept her composure. She didn't go over the top. There was nothing OTT about what she said, but she just hit it. It was spot on. Every note, every word was so measured. In the end, uh, when I watched him walk out this door into the ante room, he just looked smaller and smaller, and he just faded from view. Two life sentences mean very little to a man in his 80s. How long is this guy going to survive in prison? Are we going to see him go downhill quickly? Or is there any sense of justice in someone who got away with it for so long, being sentenced to life at whatever age he is, 80? Is he 85? He's 84. Well, I mean, there's a possibility, I think it's remote, that the states of Florida and Oklahoma would try to execute him. Um, obviously, I don't think we've ever had somebody 85 years old executed. We do a lot of crazy things in the United States. Yeah, you go though, for the younger ends more than the older ends. Yeah. <laughs> the the Jerry's. But they, they really do want to execute him in those states. Um, but that said, I think, you know, everybody says to me that Whitey will die uh, soon. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think he's too mean to die. But the other thing about Whitey is because he's an informant, they're not going to be able to put he was an informant for the FBI despite his protestations, they will have to put him in um, solitary confinement. They cannot put him in general population. I think in general population, he'd be treated as something of a legend. I think other criminals would look up to him. But uh, he's probably going to be put in isolation. And, you know, Whitey's a sociopath, but he's a very sociable sociopath. And I think it's, he's, he's been more or less locked up for 23 hours a day for the last two years. But he does have access. He does talk to guards. I know, I've, I've talked to actually a guard who works in the prison down in Plymouth, and he said he's always chatting. I think what would really punish Whitey and what would, would, would speed his demise is to really lock him up in the hole, put him in a supermax in Colorado and just lock him up and have no human contact. And I think that would be the ultimate punishment for a guy that just loves to sit there and tell you how wonderful he is. I mean, there was absolutely no remorse from this man. 
And um, and and the idea two days ago, the jury, uh, the victims got up and gave poignant statements about what the death of their loved ones meant and how their families were ruined. A woman got up there and said, "You didn't just kill my father." My two brothers killed themselves. Now, I know these boys. They were Barrett boys, the Barrett boys. And separately, they threw themselves in front of trains when they were in the teens. They couldn't, they, their family just disintegrated. So, I mean, the, the, the number of bodies that Whitey Belzer left in his wake is actually minimized in, in the indictment because there are many families ruined by this guy. And, um, you know, he didn't even have the decency or the courage to turn around and look at these people as they spoke to him. Several of them asked him to do so. They said, please, Mr. Bulger, look at me. And he would not, because this guy is the height of arrogance, and uh, he will go to prison for the rest of his life believing that he was a man of principle. But frankly, the principles, you know, rested in those shallow graves with the women and, and men he murdered. Sean McGonagall's statement was particularly heartbreaking. I read yes. you your copy on it. Remind us of who Sean is and what did he say? Sean's father, Polly McGonagall, was a rival of Whitey Bulger and the Irish gangs of South Boston. And Whitey murdered him in 70, 1974 and then buried him in a uh, along the banks of a beach just outside South Boston. And uh, after that, you know, obviously nobody knew where Polly McGonagall was. Uh, he called the McGonagall house and uh, young Sean was 11 years old at the time, answered. And, and Whitey said to him, your dad won't be home for Christmas. And Sean said, who's this? And Whitey said, Santa Claus. Now, that's the, I think that will give you a, a sort of indication of the depravity that, that Whitey Bulger regularly engaged in. And Sean did a marvelous job. Um, now, the backstory of that is Sean's aunt, Kathy Gregg, became Whitey Bulger's lover. And she was the woman who spent the 16 years on the run with him. She's doing eight years now for harboring a fugitive. So that you just just think about that. Think about what the McGonagall boys, Sean and Paul, have had to live with. As Paul told me, Kathy was his favorite aunt all those years. And then he came to learn that she was, you know, sleeping with the guy who murdered her father. Kevin, it's it, the story is so remarkable, even in the telling. And no matter how many times you've talked to me about this, I'm still amazed at, at the intricacies and the horror that was inflicted by this man. I mean, you've literally written the book on this. Would you, not saying that it could happen, but would you like the opportunity to sit down with Whitey Bulger now and talk to him and, and, and interview him uh, and write about it, or is, is that uh, you just want to leave? Obviously, I mean, you know, that to me would be <laughs> that would be a great interview. Um, unfortunately, he uh, has never given an interview to anybody. In 1985, when I was, I still had black hair back then, Jonathan. I walked into the liquor store that he had in South Boston, not thinking he would be there. I thought his henchman Kevin Weeks, who I knew, would be there, and I wanted to ask Kevin if maybe Jimmy, as we called him, would sit down with me. And, and instead, when I closed the door behind me, there's Whitey Balder standing behind the counter. And I kind of stammered out a, um, you know, uh, hi, Mr. Balzer, I'm Kevin Cullen from the Boston Globe. Maybe you and I could sit down and have a cup of coffee. And needless to say, he suggested I do something that is anatomically impossible, and I left the store. And uh, But I, I've written him a number of times in prison. And as he wrote to a prison friend who then gave us the letters for our book, he said that he would not acknowledge, uh, he wouldn't even give us the de- you know, courtesy of acknowledge our letters because that would be paying too much attention to us. And I think he described me as a lowlife. And as I said in the column, it takes one to know one. 